Praise the Lord, somebody. Hallelujah. It's good to be in the house of the living God this morning. Sammy Harold, how you doing, brother? We got to 110 yet? We're on our way, baby. Your, your new name is Sammy the 110 in my prayer board, man. One of my favorite times of the month is the very first Sunday of the month when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Hallelujah. This morning I'm going to be reading first from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 27. And I kind of do this a little backwards, but I am dyslexic, so it makes it good for me. Hallelujah. But the Apostle Paul, he says in verse 27 of chapter 11, he says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. So a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord, he eats and drinks judgment upon himself. And that is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. You guys go ahead. He said, but if we judge ourselves, we will not come under judgment. And when we judge by the Lord, when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So first of all, when you begin to judge yourself according to the Word of God, it's important to see yourself who you really are. The Bible says that we all have sinned and we all have fallen short to the glory of God. Now I know that I am the righteousness of Christ in the spiritual, but in the flesh I'm sort of like Paul and like you. The things I want to do, I do not do, and the things I try to do, I cannot do without the Spirit of God in my life. In fact, John, he tells us that if, if, we, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Oh, but if we'll confess our sin that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But if we claim we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. So right now, I just want you to close your eyes. And between you and the Holy Spirit, I want you to begin to examine yourself. Don't examine your neighbor. That's not your job. Examine yourself according to the Word of God and confess your sins even now before the Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness of sins. We ask you, God, to forgive us where we fail you, where we fall short, where we judge, where we try to take your role upon ourselves. And God, we just trust you, Lord, that your grace is sufficient. And we praise you now in Jesus' name. You guys, you've already passed out the bread. I want you to take the symbol of life, the symbol of bread in your right hand, please. And I, I want you to, I get it, bro. I'm going to just take a small, small piece. I want you to take this symbol of life in your right hand, and I want you to remember the words of Christ. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate manna in the wilderness, and yet they died. But here is the bread which comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If a man eats this bread, he will live forever. 
This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. I want you to raise it high in your right hand and say, Father, we thank you, Lord, for your body. We believe by faith that you were wounded for our transgressions. You were bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon you. And by your stripes, oh God, we are healed in the mighty name of Jesus. We receive it by faith. Hallelujah. I usually do not write down any notes. But there were some things that God wanted me to remind you guys of what the Bible actually says about the blood. So I'm going to stick right here. I'm not going to wander off like I do. I want you to take that symbol of blood in that right hand. And this is about to bless your soul. The Bible says, first of all, in Hebrews 9 and 22, that the law requires that almost everything be cleansed with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission for sins. Everybody say hallelujah. Ephesians 2.13, the Bible says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of the Lamb. Can I get an Amen. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, Peter said, For you know that it was not with silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you by your forefathers, but it was with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Can I get an amen? Paul says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the Son whom he loves, through whom we have redemption through his blood. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Revelation 19 and 13 that he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the Word of God. Can I get an amen? Ephesians chapter 1, 7 and 8, the Bible says in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Do not ever take the blood lightly. We love that old song that says, What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood. Father, we thank you for the precious blood of Christ. Lord, you gave it all. You gave your son who laid down his life for our weaknesses, for our sins. Cover us now in the Christ's name we pray. God's people receive it by faith. And I appreciate you if you say hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. One of the things that we do here at this church is that we do not take communion the same each and every, each and every time we do it. We allow the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit. We allow him to lead us and guide us the way he would have us to do it. But I'm so thankful he gave us these scriptures this morning because they bless my soul. Hallelujah. I want you guys to go with me now to the book of Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. That is in the New Testament. If you don't know where that is, please go to your index and find First Thessalonians. It's right before Second Thessalonians. <laughs> mm, yeah. If you find the T's in your book, Timothy, it's right before that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I hate to say this, but I think I have a really good word this morning. You know, my, my wife's job is every Sunday I get rebuked with a thump in my ear. Because I leave here, I'm I'm always thinking that I did the worst job ever. But I can't help myself. 
But I always try to remember that God's strength is made perfect in my weaknesses. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. Please stand this morning for the reading of God's holy scriptures. I want you to listen carefully to these words. Paul says, finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. As in fact, you're living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in the passionate lust like the heathens who do not know God. In that, in this matter, no one should wrong his brother. Everybody say, no one should wrong his brother. No one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. Because the Lord will punish men for all such sins as we've already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Boy, our world, world needs to hear this, don't they? Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God, who gives you his Holy Spirit now. About brotherly love, we do not need to write to you, for you yourself have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do all love brothers throughout Macedonia, yet we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. And make it, listen carefully, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business. And to work with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Let us pray. God, we thank you this morning for the reading of your scriptures. Father, even now I just pray your blessings over my wife while she's struggling with this sinus issue, whatever this is, Lord, we rebuke it by the power of the living God. Send forth healing and deliverance right now in the mighty name of Christ. Lord, we thank you for the reading of your word, oh God, and we pray that right now you would still our hearts before you. Be still and know that I am God, your word says. And Lord, we came to hear from heaven this morning. Lord, you're, you're speaking through lips of clay. You're speaking through an uneducated man who used to walk in this world. But by the grace of God, I'm here today standing by faith in the living God today. And I know, God, that you have a word for your people. Now, Lord, I, I, I seek out your will this, this week and I ask God just to speak. Speak clearly now, Lord, and just touch the hearts and the life of your people. I speak life over those knees in the name of Jesus. Strengthen those legs, Lord, that they may run by faith. Father, have your way in this service this morning, and we thank you for the forgiveness of sins. We thank you for the Lord's Supper, and we do it in remembrance because you are awesome. We love you and we praise you. Now, Lord... Hide your servant behind the cross that no flesh may boast before you now. In Jesus' name, and God's people said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord Almighty. I get so nervous at this point. One thing about being the preacher is that, like you, I have to let go of the flesh in order to walk by the Spirit. And I can't preach in the flesh. I have to preach in the Spirit. Otherwise, my, my tongue will get like super wide and fat, and I won't be able to say anything. But, but the moment that I lay down my flesh 
and, and allow the Holy Spirit to take over, that, that's when the anointing begins to touch your life. But I want to start out this morning with the title of our sermon. Now, it's going to be very unique, and you may not understand it right now. And you may say, I don't see how it connects to our, our text today. That, that's fine. Because by the time the end of this message comes to a close, you will completely understand it all together. Today's sermon is simply entitled, Like a Picture of Days Gone By. Everybody turn to your neighbor if you have one and say, neighbor, God's word is like a picture of days gone by. Now, for some reason, probably what Paul said there in verse 6, I began thinking this past Monday about people. Paul says in verse 6, he says that, that no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. And, and so Monday morning, the Holy Spirit began to remind me of, of the things that had happened in the past especially as a young preacher, as a young pastor of this church. We had a certain season where me and my wife had, had fell under great, and I'm not talking little, great attack to the point that, that, that I almost felt like I'm just going to have to quit. Otherwise, but, but you know what? Regardless of what happened to me, we just kept pressing on and pressing on. So I began to think about all the people who came and went. If we had all the people who have came and went, we'd probably have probably four services each Sunday because it was tons of people. But, but people have, have come and gone. But here's the sad part. Out of all those people, there were a few, and I say a few, but those few people had certain bad things that they wanted to say not only about me and my wife, but also about the church. And let me just say this. Back in 1872, there's this woman, I don't remember her name, but, but, but she had wrote this in a small book. And it said that, that sticks and stones may, may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. Come on, Hallelujah. But let me just say this, when, when someone comes against you with their words, hallelujah, I can promise you that you will feel the impact. And so, for, and so physically, I felt it. But spiritually, I was not phased by it at all. Because physically, I wanted to say something back. Come on, amen. But spiritually, I'm thinking to myself, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Come on, hallelujah. Because understand that, that if I'm walking in the Spirit, then I'm good. Because I'm not moved by what men have to say. But, but if I'm walking in the flesh, are you listening to me? Then, then I will be moved and I will respond in a worldly manner. And so I have to choose not to walk in the flesh, but in the spirit. Are you with me so far? Because my Bible says these words in the book of James, 1, 19 and 20. James says, my brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to anger for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires are you listening to me Paul says in Romans 8:14 for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God you see, my neighbor, when you walk according to the Spirit of God, you begin to reflect the fruit of your spiritual father, who is Jesus. But as long as you're walking in the flesh, you will reflect the fruits of your first father named Adam. Through Adam, we all sin, and through Christ, we all have become the righteousness of God. Are you with me so far? 
So here's the main reason besides that that I did not lose it. It's because when you are a child of God and you spend time in God's Word, something happens spiritually on the inside. What happens is the Holy Spirit of God will begin to remind you of His Word. My Bible says in John 15 and 20, these are the words of Jesus. He says, remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than their master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you as well. And so in a broad spectrum of life, the big picture of it all It looks to me that if we are being persecuted for the name of Christ, then we're in some pretty good company right here. Not not even thinking about the apostles, but let's listen to what Jesus says right here in Matthew 25 and 40. I'm going to have that guy's pipes removed. Get him a bicycle, Lord, till he can show some respect toward the house of God. Hallelujah. Matthew 25 and 40. The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. In other words, Jesus does not take it lightly when you and I who bear his holy name when we are being persecuted for what we're called to do. He takes it personal. If you did it, To my brothers, you're doing it to me. If you hated my brother, you're hating on me. When you you strike your brothers, you're striking me. And so we should keep in mind that, that whatever they are doing or saying and coming against us, they're not just coming against us, but they're coming against the one who saved us. But this is exactly how they treated the apostles as well. And so Paul, he writes to us in verse 6, no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. And and so with all that said, I want to bring to the table the words of a great teacher of the law. You find these in in the book of Acts chapter 5, 38 and 39. These are the words of the man named Gamaliel. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. But but see, Peter and John have been thrown in prison. They've been chained. They've been whipped. All this. And now Gamaliel, he stands up and he has a word. And I love these words. I need to memorize these because they're so powerful. He says, therefore, in this present case, I advise you to leave these men alone. Let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it's from God, (laughs) hallelujah, if it's from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. Woo! Man, the Holy Spirit blowing speakers out. So here's the good news. Y'all ready for some good news? And I'm saying this in all humility. Don't, don't take it wrong. But next year, the year 2024, Millwood Church, we will be celebrating 20 years of service as a church. 20 years! Now, now that's something that, that we can be proud of Because regardless of what the devil had to say and what he had to do against us, we're still here by the name of Jesus. And by his grace, we're still preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in season and out of season. And so I'm so thankful that that my Bible teaches me, especially what Paul says in Romans 12 and 19. He says, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, and I will repay, declares the Lord. You won't find yourself fighting against me. 
You won't find yourself fighting against my wife. You won't find yourself fighting against this church. You'll be fighting God himself. And I can promise you that's one fight you will not win. But honestly, neighbor, there's one thing you can never say ever about this church is that we do not teach how to live a Christian life. That's one thing we do teach here, and I'm glad we do teach how to live because our world needs to learn how to live a Christian life. Are you with me so far? And, and, and so we have learned over the years that in order to live a Christian life, it all starts with one word called faith. We have to live our life according to faith. Our foundation, your foundation, my foundation, the foundation of Jesus Christ is faith. See, our Bible says that, that, that faith Without faith, Hebrews 11 and 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he is and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And so when I stand to preach, I stand by faith. And when you sit there to hear the word of God, you hear by faith. And that's biblical. The Bible says that faith cometh by Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I love, I wish you could just put it on repeat. Faith coming by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. Because the more faith you listen with and the more faith I preach with, the more you will grow spiritually. Nothing can hinder faith. We must walk by faith, not by sight. Are you with me so far? And not only should we live our lives according to faith, but we must live our life according in order to please God, to do everything not for man, but for God. You don't come to church for your neighbor. You come to church for God. You don't raise your hands in the worship service for your neighbor to see. You raise your hand, your eyes are closed, your heart is focused on the one. You do it for God and God alone. Paul said, we instructed you on how to live in order to please God. In, in other words, if you want to please God, first you have to walk by faith. And then whatever you do in life, you have to do it for God and not for man. But here's what you'll learn. When you work your situation for God, I can promise you, you will please man. Come on, amen. Because when you work for God, you don't give him something half A. I shouldn't say that. Halfway. Come on. <laughs> That's what I meant to say. You don't give God halfway. You give it all. In other words, when I work for Jesus, I give him my very best. The best that I have to give. Listen to this. Colossians 3 and 23. What does it say? Whatever you do, whatever you do, work it with all your heart. It's working for the Lord, not for men. For you know that you receive an inheritance as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. We walk by faith and we do it all for the Christ. My life is, is not trying to please you. I do like an amen, hallelujah, because that's just a preacher. He, he likes to hear an amen to make sure that nobody's asleep. No. But listen to Galatians 1.10. This is like one of my all-time favorite verses. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Am I now trying to please men? If I was still trying to please men, listen, I would not be a servant of God. So in the process of teaching you guys over these past 20 years on how we should be living in order to please God, listen to this. Sometimes, and a lot of times, 
I find myself repeating things over and over and over. And I ask God, I said, God, why are we saying this again? He says, because it's biblical. I said, can you give me an example? He says, sure. How many times do I say love the Lord in the Bible? <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I, and I looked it up. It's, it's, it's over 17 times. Love the Lord. I said, what else? Love your neighbor. How many times does he say that just once? No. He says it over 10 times. Love your Lord. Love your neighbor. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. But God don't just tell us once. He keeps repeating himself over and over until we get it. Because after he repeats it so long, you find yourself in the woodshed, and you're saying, why am I in here? He's like, I only told you like 30 times. Not to talk about your neighbor. Ooh. You know, I've been, I've been on this course for the past five months, over five months. And the, the Bible says that the waters flooded the earth for 150 days. The, the waters flooded the earth. I've got to thinking about I'm the earth. And I said, you know what? I'm going to begin this. I'm going to start with my eyes. And I'm going to take my eyes, and I'm going to, every time something tempting, every time something ungodly comes in front of me, I'm closing my eyes, I'm walking away, I'm changing my mind. And now I went through that whole five months, 150 days, and now I'm on the little devil behind the pearly gates. I failed the first day. <laughs> Come on, Amen. But, 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 but I'm going back to day one, and I'm going to continue. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to give me grace to bury my flesh under the water. And I need to let it go. I need to crucify that thing. And I know that's a strange teaching, but, but, but I feel like I should have said that. But, but here's a, a good analogy of why we should keep repeating things over and over. I want you to pull up this picture for me. Did, did y'all get that this week? I, I know it's not very clear because I took a picture off my screensaver. Th this is my screensaver in my prayer room. And, 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 and what it is, this is, this is on one of my survival trips. I go every year, twice a year. But, but this guy on the right, that's, that's Lieutenant Hawk. He's gone now. He passed away. So I've been going solo, but I wanted to use this. But I want you guys, I know you can hardly see it, but, but I want you to tell me five things of what you can see in this picture. Five things, go ahead. You see me, I'm in there, that's one. You see some trees, so we're in the woods. We, got, we see smoke, because Craig's covered up in smoke, so there's fire. We see three things, two more things. Fellowship, all right, one more. Huh? Sunlight. It's daytime. That's awesome. You guys can see five things in this picture. But here's what you got to understand. Here's we're going to take it a little deep. Can we go deep? What you have to understand, and this is the revelation for today's message. This is where I got the title of the lesson. What you have to understand is that when I see the picture, I lived the picture, first of all. I was there. So when I see the picture, I can see way beyond the image that is way before me. In other words, I can see the struggle in order to get there. I'm, I'm, I'm being physically and spiritually. You better tap into this. I can see the struggles in, in order to get there. I can see that it was early in the morning. You can't see that. You just know it's daytime. I can see the coldness of the morning because it's freezing cold at that time. I can see how we struggled to get the fire started because all the wood's wet. Listen, I can see the fellowship. I can see the conversation. I can see even us struggling to get out of there. I can see us even going home. In other words, I want you to think about this. 
God can see you today. He sees you like a picture of days gone by. He sees you where you are right now. He sees you where you were, and he sees you where you will be, and he'll see himself taking you out of here. And see, when he sees you, he doesn't just see you at one point. He is omnipresent. He understands that we are weak, we are frail, we are sinners, and we need help out of here. But he sees himself helping us all the way through this thing called life. He sees the big picture, and he sees every detail. He sees your pain. He sees your suffering. He sees your anger. He he feels it. He knows it. He lived it. And so we have a personal God. And so when someone comes against us, he sees the big picture. He sees you going through the fight, and he sees you coming out of it. He's a good God. He's a big God. A God we can't put on no box. And so think about it like this. When I read the scriptures each week, we as human beings, we see the picture kind of like the way y'all saw the picture. Listen. But when I began to elaborate through what the Holy Spirit sees. Then all of a sudden, we begin to see details that are completely hidden to the natural eye. My Bible says in John 14 and 26, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. I want you to turn to your neighbor this morning and say, neighbor, God's word is like a picture and like a mirror. It will show you where you were, but it will show you where you're going to go. Hallelujah. Woo! And so today in your walk, I want to take you a little deeper, but, but let me just say this. Have you ever had a bad haircut? You know, back in the 80s when I had hair this long, and I'm not exaggerating, I went to this shop in Irving, and I, it, was 80, it was 86. I, I remember the day, year. It was the worst because on the outside, from, from here back, I was Vince Neal, but, but in the front, I looked like Mo Har- Howard of Three Stooges. Bad haircut. I, she turned me around in the chair. And, and, and sweat went out my back. I said, thank God I got a bandana on my leg. Y'all remember we used to wear them on. <laughs> I wrapped my head up for a month. I didn't know bangs could grow so slow. But in the same way, when we look in the mirror and we see those bad things, We should try to do something about it. And I'm not talking about just trying to cover it up with a bandana. I'm talking about leave it behind. We're going somewhere. Are y'all following me so far? We should be focusing today on our life to please God. I like the words of Paul. He says in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, and 12. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Listen to this. He said, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then... We shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, be known fully even as I'm fully known. I will know fully even as I'm fully known. You know, in other words, right now, when you see a picture of days gone by, if I could go back to 97 when I first gave my life to Christ, if I looked at that man and I look at my life today, would I see the same exact man? Because listen, 
If you still look the same as you did when you first got saved, you are not growing. You're going backwards. And unfortunately, most of us are not growing according to the Word of God. And the reason is, is because we're not eating. We're not feeding our spiritual man. You don't feed a baby, that baby will not grow. I told Chris, and I said, hey, man, we ought to go out there and milk that goat. Because give that baby some goat milk, she's going to be like growing hair on her chest. I mean, she's going to grow crazy. We can't feed her goat milk. I'm like, okay. See, city people don't get it. <laughs> Country folks, now you drink some goat milk, you're going to just blossom. But I know, I'm just picking on you. It's not my baby. It is my baby. Listen, we should be in the process of growing. My job as a man of God is to try to teach the simplicity of the Word of God in a way that you can't help but grow. And as long as you're coming in this restaurant called the, the assembly, you're going to grow. Because God has given us lessons that we remember and we find ourselves, you know what? I learned last week that I shouldn't be talking about others or I shouldn't be looking at something that does not please God. And so you start learning things that causes your physical body to listen to the spiritual man on the inside who says no. The Bible said that the grace of God teaches you to say no to ungodliness, to worldly passion, to live self-controlled, upright lives in this present age as we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of our great God and Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so notice here, Paul, Paul says in Romans 6, 20 through 22, he says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. He said, what benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now are ashamed of he said those things result in death but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God the benefits you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life and so Another thing that Paul's trying to catch our attention, in, attention to is the detail that these are not my words. Paul's saying, listen, I'm not just saying this because I think it sounds good. No, no, no. He's the one that wrote that, that all scriptures is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man or the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. He's saying, these are not my words. Notice. Notice how he, he brings it up about the authority behind the scriptures in verse 2. He says, for you know what, it, what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, listen. These are not my words. These are the words of Jesus himself. Yeah, Paul wrote them physically, but spiritually the Holy Spirit had his hand. Come on, amen. And he was leading him and guiding him to write the words that we call the New Testament. This reminds me of the time that the, the, the Pharisees, they came to Jesus, hallelujah, and they came to Jesus and they basically said, by what authority are you doing these, thing, doing these things and who gave you this authority? And so Jesus said, well, I'll answer your question, but you got to answer mine first. He said, John's baptism, was that from heaven or was that from God or was that from man? Was that from God or was it from man? And so the Pharisees gather around like, okay, listen. If we say this was from heaven, he's going to ask us, well, why didn't you obey? See, the Pharisees, they didn't go and get baptized by John through repentance. But all the sinners, the prostitutes and tax collectors were getting baptized. They said, so if we say it's from heaven, then he's going to ask us, why didn't we obey it? But then if we say... It's for man, then we're going to get stoned because everybody saw John as who he was, as a prophet of God. And so they said, listen, 
We're not going to tell you by what authority because we don't know, basically. And she said, neither will I tell you by authority that I'm doing these things. Let me break that down for you. Jesus was basically saying this. If you can't understand the simplicity of the authority that was behind John's baptism, how can you understand the words of God himself manifested in the flesh? In other words, you cannot understand the scriptures without the Spirit of God in your life. I remember before I was saved, several times I tried to open this book up. It was all Greek to me and Hebrew. It meant I I, I didn't understand none of it. But when I got saved... When my eyes were opened and my heart was lit by the fire of God, then all of a sudden I could read the understand, I could read the scriptures and I could comprehend the scriptures. I could understand what God was teaching, not everything. See, some of you are in this process of growing, but you, you hit that curve and you're like, I can't get hold of this. It's not time for you to get hold of this. So when he stops you and you can't understand it, go on. Don't sit there and ponder forever because I can promise you, you will not eat it until he feeds you. You, you won't mash potatoes, but, but he said you got to eat your carrot first. I'm just trying to give you a little illustration there. And so Jesus is telling these men that they are spiritually blind. You, you can't understand the baptism of John. You can't understand the move that God's using me right now in this generation. 1 Corinthians 2.14. The Bible says the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. I love what James says. I've never used this verse before. He said, who is wise in understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life deeds, by deeds done in humility. But, but, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it, for such wisdom does not come from above, from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. And so James is like, man, you, you tell me that you have wisdom. You tell me that you have knowledge from above. But if your lifestyle does not line up with the word of God, he is simply saying this. Your knowledge, your wisdom is of the world. Your wisdom, your knowledge is of the devil. In other words, if you're not living according to the word of God, that means you're living according to the world. The world and its desires will pass away, but the man who does the will of God will live forever. And so your, your, your process is that i got to get in the place of growth. I've got to lock myself down into the Word of God. i got to memorize the Scriptures. i got to learn the Word of God because I want to look back at my picture. When I go to heaven, and I will, you will, we all will, we'll look back and we'll see the pictures of days gone by. And we're going to say, man, what was I thinking? Or you can say, praise Lord. I took the time, maybe just 15 minutes a day, but I took the time to say no to the world, to close the door, turn down the lamp, just get it lightly lit in there, and pray and seek God's will and open up the Word of God and watch it be illuminated. There's something about when God speaks to you through his word. No one else might not ever hear it or see it, but but you know that you know that it's God speaking to you. When the Holy Spirit says, you know what? I just want you to rededicate your life today. That ain't the devil. That ain't the world, but I can tell you exactly who it is. That's the Holy Spirit. Are you listening to me this morning? Verse 3. Can I finish this? It is God's will. Everybody says God's will. It's God's will that you should be sanctified 
Avoid sexual immorality. Come on, amen. It's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in a passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. God's saying, don't look like the world, don't act like the world, don't live like the world. Our Wi-Fi has been down for like 12 days now. But in the process, we have been turning on the Waltons. But you know what? I'm learning so much more from the Waltons than I can from Longmire. Who? What else was it? Blacklist. I'm looking for the white list. I'm not out to destroy the outlaw. I'm out to save them. Ooh, that's a sermon right there. The white list. But you see, God said that we should be sanctified. This is the Greek word, hagiosmos. Everybody say, hagiosmos. That means to be set apart for God as being holy. Let me show you how it works. Looking at your picture spiritually, hagiosmos means that you are already spotless without blemish. Spiritually. But on the outside, sanctification is this process of working out the holiness. There's holiness in you, but holiness has to come out of you in order for the outside to do what's doing on the inside. Is that too deep? I, I got to get my inside man to look identical to my outside man. The inside man's perfect. Outside man, come on, bro, catch up. Step in, stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Because the out man is falling short. I'm like, oh, ah, go underwater 150 days. Don't say that. Don't look at that 150 days. That's a long time not to do something. Five months. Every time the brick house comes up on YouTube, I'm like, but I've got in a habit of doing right. Just get my tongue in line. So when we look at pictures of day gone by, we, we want to see the growth. 1 Corinthians 3 and 2, Paul said, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. 1 Peter 2 and 2, verse 3, like newborn babes crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Does God taste good? Hot dog. Serve me up some Jesus any day, baby. Because I'm in. He will change your life if you learn to consume his bread. Eat it up. When you feel lonesome, this is what I do. I feel the breath of God. That ain't God's breath. How do you know? Can you see it? I feel something. And it's coming straight from the Word. That's simple, but I tell you what, it works for me. Verse 4. That each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that's holy and honorable, not in the passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. 2 Corinthians 7 and 1. Paul said, therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Number one, you need to remember this. How do I teach my body to live holy? I got to learn to fear God. Our world today does not fear God. And because they do not fear God, that's why they live the way they live. If you fear God and you are a woman, you ain't going to kiss another woman. Period. If you are fearing God, you're not going to kiss another man if you're a man. You're not going to have a desire for a man because I fear God. In other words, I will stand before him. 
And I will give an account of every careless word and every careless deed I ever done in this earth. I fear God. I tremble to stand before you guys and preach the gospel because I fear God. Because I'm going to have to give more of account because I'm being given more as a teacher. And so I try to be as careful as I can up here because I will stand before him. And I fear him. And I fear to think about anybody leaving this place today and going to the pit of hell. Because I didn't tell them the truth. My Bible says the truth will set you free. Romans 12, 1 and 2. This is the prescription. Your doctor, when you're sick, he gives you a prescription. This is the perfect prescription for every soul in here. No matter what your sickness is, is your eyes, your mouth, your ears, your hand, whatever your sickness is, this is your prescription. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and to prove what God's will is. His good, His pleasing, His perfect will. I got to change my thinking. Because as long as I'm thinking sinfully, I still live that way. But if I start thinking holy, Paul says, set your mind on things above not on earthly things, for you die and your life is now hidden in Christ. Think on things above. You can't think about the world because if you do, you fall into that trap. You, you have to see yourself as a living sacrifice. I don't really understand this 100%, but this is the way I see it. I'm probably wrong. But, but I see myself as though I would have to be laying my life down for the world. A living sacrifice. And so, if I'm going to be a sacrifice for God, that means I'm going to have to remove the spots and blemishes the best that I can. Because I don't want to be laid upon the altar and have blemishes. Here's what the Holy Spirit is saying to me. He says, when the doctor who is in surgery, the surgeon, he does not want unclean tools to work with. It has to be set apart. It has to be purified. So when he makes the incision, infection doesn't come in. And so you and I are a tool in the hand of the Holy Spirit, and he's looking for a a holy tool, a clean tool, because the cleaner that we walk with God, the more he can use us to destroy the works of the devil. You can't whoop the devil living like the devil. You can whoop the devil when you walk according to the Word of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we close with this. Can I close? James 1, 22 through 24. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourself. Everybody say, do what it says listen to this and anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says it's like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself he goes away and immediately forgets what he looked like here's your illustration straight from the holy spirit woman has six kids she's exhausted she's working two jobs Early morning, she gets up, she puts her makeup on, she's going to work, she's riding the bus downtown, she falls asleep, exhausted, and in her sleep, her hand comes across her face, she hits her lipstick, and now it's all the way across her jaw. The bus is about to stop, next stop, so-and-so, Gaston Avenue, okay? So she grabs her compact and she takes a quick look and she sees makeup smeared all the way across her face and she says, you know what? That's good enough. 
That woman would be foolish to go into work with that makeup always spread. And that's what we do. We look at the Word of God, we see our makeup smeared, our mistakes, and we say, you know, that's good enough. Mm-mm. You, you take out the hanky, what it is, wipe it off, and repaint it. I don't know how makeup works. I never wore it. Maybe once, but I was Halloween. But anyway, I was a beautiful woman anyway. Come on now. Listen. When you see the Word of God and you see yourself in the Word of God, you know you're wrong. Fix your makeup. Otherwise, you're going to continue to look just like the world. But when I see myself and I fix it, then the world says, you know, something about that person looks different. Let's all stand. I'm not going to apologize for going late. This was a word. This was a good word. I'm not saying I did it. No, no. No, this was a good word from heaven. But I'm going to give you this opportunity right now. Every eye closed, every head is bowed. Someone right now is saying, you know what? I need to change. I'm looking in this mirror, and I need to begin today. I need to rededicate my life. If you want to do that today, just make your way. I feel it in the Holy Spirit. If you want to rededicate it, just make your way right now. I will not embarrass you. Hallelujah. What's your name again, brother? Michael? The archangel, huh? What a name. Michael, I want you to say this with me. I want you to pray it with me. And I want you to not just say it with your mouth, but I want you to pour it out of your heart. And if tears begin to start want to well up in there, man, then let it go. Say, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I rededicate my life to you. Lord, because I, I, I've seen in the mirror where I need to change. But I forget it, and I walk away from it, and I still look the same. But tomorrow, I will not look the same as I do today. And next Sunday, I will look even better than that because I'm going to begin this process of change. Sanctification. On the inside, I look perfect. Help me with the outside. Lord, I pray blessings over Michael right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, I pray your blessings over him. Bless him from the north, south, east, and west. Let him walk according to the word of God. Give him strength. Give him power. Give him anointed. Anoint his mouth to speak to his neighbors at work. Use him as a vessel, Lord. To bring in the harvest in Jesus' name. And I praise the power. I pray the power of the Holy Spirit upon him even now in the name of Jesus. The name of the Father and the Son. Hallelujah. Bless him. Some of y'all's name again. John and Christy. I've only been told that 60 times now. But I am a very simple guy, and I even have trouble with names, but that's okay. God knows you, right, John and Christy? <laughs> I want you guys, y'all want to rededicate your life today? Pray this with me. Jesus, this is the day you have made, and we rejoice in it. We are glad to be in the house of the living God. And right now, we step out of this thing called life into this thing, this spiritual thing. And we trust you. Take our lives right now as a living sacrifice unto you. Lord, we're weak, but in, your, in our weaknesses, you are strong. And we confess our sins before you right now. 
We rededicate our lives to you right now. And from this day forward, in the mighty name of Jesus, we walk by faith, not by sight. We praise you now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You guys put your hands together right now. Woo! This message has touched three people today in this church, but I don't know who else is touching right now. As you're listening over the airways, you may be in Canada, you may be in England, you may be in Australia, you may be in China, you may be somewhere, but right now, if you need to rededicate your life, you repeat that same prayer. And you give your life to God wholeheartedly. Father, bless your people to the north, south, east, and west. Bless them, oh, Father, as you can only bless them. Lord, keep them strong. Keep them healthy. Keep them in your will today in the name of Jesus. And we walk out of here today, Lord. Let us be an instrument in your hand, a holy instrument, perfecting you, Lord, through our lives. In Jesus' name and God's people said amen and amen. You may be dismissed.